everybody, welcome to the Grace Garage Pod with co-host Jason Pridmore, presented by Bike911.com. And for all of you people that love Jason Pridmore, I'm sorry to say that he is at High Plains Raceway on the racetrack today with about only, I think, like six other people enjoying the day at High Plains Raceway. So it's just me, but not really, because as you probably saw in the title, Josh Heron's going to be joining me in a little bit. We're going to be talking about Moto America, because in this podcast, we got a little bit of news, and we're going to preview Moto America Brainerd, as we only have four rounds left in the season. Also, World Superbike's coming up, but I'm not really going to talk a ton about World Superbike. They're going to most. Should be some great racing in World Superbike, worldsbk.com. But of course, bike911.com. So if you have any issues, you need a lawyer, you need somebody to look over your contracts, go visit bike911.com. Talk to Alex Asante. He's the guy. You want to help us out, support us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Greg's Garage TV. It's in the description of this podcast. And you can subscribe to my YouTube channel because I probably haven't posted anything there in a long, long time. Uh, so with that, why don't we just get into the news presented by Arai? Yeah, you like that? That's how we do it right here. All right, let's see. What am I going to give you people today? How about, um, hey, have you ever tried a helmet on in the, you know what? Because Pridmore's not here to, 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 to bust my ass about being fat, I'm going to go with this one. Have you ever tried on a helmet in the store and then you rode it a few hours later to find that it might be too tight? Or maybe you put on a little weight and found the same thing. Well, you know, if you're in an Arai helmet, don't worry about it. Arai models come equipped with a removable foam layer in the cheek pads and the temple area of the headliner. You can adjust your fit by removing these five millimeter layers if you need to. Get a custom fit for yourself. Another great reason to check out AraiAmericas.com. For more information, that's AraiAmericas.com. All right, so let's see. In the news today... Congratulations to Ben Spees. That's right. The Texan himself finds himself at such a tender and young age in the Motorcycle Hall of Fame. Really pumped for Ben. He won three MA titles, World Superbike title in his rookie and only season. MotoGP raised the boot. Well-deserved at such a young age. And a good boost for the Motorcycle Hall of Fame. You have someone with the uh, prestige and followers and all that kind of stuff of Ben Spees. Getting the Motorcycle Hall of Fame name out there is great. Uh, well, folks, the Suzuki GSX-R600 is making a comeback in Moto America Supersport. I know Josh Heron's going to be very concerned about this once I get him on there and talking to him about it. But it is true, and I, I think it may have been like two or three races where there was no GSX-R600, but South African Dominic Doyle will race one this weekend at Brainerd. Uh, it'll be on the infinityfallprotection.com disrupt racing bike, so good luck, Dom Doyle. Just breezing over some other news, BMW Factory World Superbike rider Michael Vandemark has re-upped with the squad for 2023 as BMW keeps getting better. VDM has been plagued with some injuries this year, and I think that it's good for all parties involved because the guy smokes. I mean, just think back a couple years ago when he was on the Yamaha and then moved over to the BMW program. So that is all I have for our news presented by Arai. So... Now I'd welcome in, like to welcome in a guy who is sponsored by Arai and is leading the Supersport Championship in Moto America and has won, I don't even know, a lot of races this year. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven races and is on four in a row. Josh Heron, what's going on, dude? Good to have you on. 
What up? You're pretty good at that uh, talking stuff. You should be like a Call of Duty League commentator or something. <laughs> you know, if the seasons didn't conflict, you know, maybe maybe we do something like that, you know? But uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast, Josh. It's good to have you here. And man, it has been quite a season for you so far. I mean, let's go back to the off season uh, and and really talk about, you know, Superbike and your, you know, desire to stay in Superbike, your, the idea, I've talked about this before, Josh, that you've never, you know, you, you were second in Supersport for a lot of years. You had unfinished business in Supersport and you get the big call. So tell us a little bit about the off season uh, from last year to this year and uh, what the year has been like so far on your Ducati in Supersport. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a, a dream season so far. Uh, you know, at the end of last year, I was just kind of mentally drained a little bit. I was, of course, not having as much fun as I should have just because I, in my eyes, I wasn't competitive. When I say competitive, I want to be fighting for wins and I wasn't doing that on the bike I was on last year. So, um, I, I went over to Bobby at, at, I think it was New Jersey round at the end of the year last year and just asked him like, Hey, what do you got going on for next year? He's like, Oh, I got a, he kind of, you know, I got a super sport ride. Like in my eyes, I was like, man, that sounds sick. I was like, let's do something. And he, I could kind of, I think in his eyes, he was kind of shocked that I said that. And I've talked to him a little bit since then. And he had a couple riders that he was considering putting on the bike before I talked to him. And he didn't think I'd be interested in running super sport. Uh, but I think I was, I was on his radar, but kind of down the list. And uh, I think from right there, I, I didn't, didn't play any games with him when we were negotiating or anything and uh you know I just just wanted to be on a competitive bike uh he told me what the program was going to look like and it got me even more excited because I obviously he worked with Baz last year and they had um oh man I'm drawing a blank Zanetti the year before you know, kind of halfway through the year so I knew they had the Ducati program going but when he said super sport at first I just assumed he would meant on an R6 or something so when he told me all the details about the V2 and that that Ducati Corso was going to get involved and all that stuff. It was, uh, it was pretty, you know, for me, I was, I was super excited about it. I thought it would be a good opportunity, uh, work with a new brand and, uh, just try to have some fun. I told him, you know, the most important thing about this whole deal was that, that I get to be myself. I didn't want anybody telling me what I couldn't, couldn't do, whether, whether that was at the track or, or, uh, on the street. And, you know, he agreed to that. And, and so far it seems like, with my team and family and, and off track, just being able to ride, ride on the street again, how I like to ride on the street and do group rides and stuff, YouTube videos and the, you know, addition of OnlyFans as a sponsor and doing videos for their OFTV platform at every race. I've really kind of been able to find myself again, like I did in 2018. And I've said many times that 2018 was the best year of my career. Um, I didn't win a championship. I only won two races, but we got 12 podiums and, uh, I was able to do a lot of street riding that year and do a lot of group rides and do YouTube videos and I just had fun and being able to have fun away from the track on bikes excites me to go to the races uh, and work because as as bad as it sounds you know that uh, you know I consider it a job a lot of people throughout my whole career have said don't let it turn into a job but it's uh, it's impossible for that to be the case you know I'm, you're always trying to come up with more money or stressed about, you know, getting paid the next year, what, what team you're going to be on, if they have money, 
that team doesn't have any money, so you got to ride for free, and then you got to try and get more money from helmet sponsors or logos on your helmet, whatever it may be. And uh, so having fun is the biggest thing for me, and we've been able to do that this year, and, and it seems like it's working really well. And that the whole team, I think it's kind of infectious. We're, the whole team, I think, is having a lot of fun. It helps when we're winning, but we, uh, we have fun, you know, in the pits. We hang out away from the track. You know, we go to dinner and stuff and just have a good time. And, and that's, you know, when, when I look back at it and think about it, my whole goal and why, why I say I want to have fun, I think, is because I, I do the best in uh, on teams where I can feel like a kid racing a bike, like I, like I felt when I was racing with my family as a kid, right? And uh, when you get a lot of stress on you, you know, I think I still perform well, but I don't perform at my best. And I perform at my best when I got guys around me that are laughing and, and you know, two minutes before the race starts, we're making dirty jokes on the grid or something. So it's uh, it's been a good time and, and having Rachel and Griffin at almost every race. Um, I, I'm a dad now and my <laughs> son, you know, getting to be there and, and see these things. I, I grew up around the Yates family uh, just because of the Heron compound. And uh, so I, you know, heard grew up when I say grew up I guess from the time I was 18 till I was 25 26 around them a lot and seeing photos of Ashton on the podium with Aaron and and stuff like that it it really you know made me want that someday and I'm happy that I'm I'm able to uh to see that dream come true and and have Rachel and Griffin at the races and celebrate with them and be able to show Griffin photos someday of of uh you know race wins on the podium and show that they <laughs> he got lucky enough that they put him on TV at a couple of the races and stuff like that. So it's, it's been awesome. Well, we're trying to steal the microphone a couple of times. I mean, I, you know, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's got some moves already just getting after that mic. I mean, Josh, like seriously, what do you feel is different for you as a motorcycle racer now that you are a dad? Because there's always conversation. If you really go back and look at the top, top level, you know, you look at who's been a world champion, you know, I mean, most of them were not even married, let alone, you know, have a kid. I mean, there there are very few people in a modern racing history and motorcycles that have had, you know, kids and stuff like that at the MotoGP level. It's definitely been done, you know, at, at the superbike level and stuff. But what's it like? What's the mental change for you all of a sudden now that you have Griffin as a responsibility? Um... Yeah, I mean, I I grew up, you know, the first thing that comes to mind when you ask that question is Colin Edwards in the movie Faster, and he's talking about having kids and getting married, and he says, oh, when you get married, you lose a half second, but I gained a half second. When you have your first kid, you lose a half second, but I gained another half second. He just talks about how he got better and better as he, you know, got married and had kids, and that's always been in the back of my mind. Um, but uh, the, the biggest thing, you know, for me, it's been – it's been great and it's been kind of like a motivation for me because I want to do well and I want Griffin to see me succeeding and happy. I don't want to see him. I don't want him to see me, even though he's so young, he probably won't remember it. But if there is a chance that he does, I don't want him seeing me stressing at the races and not having fun. Um, so luckily it's been like that this year, but it's not possible, you know, without Rachel cause Rachel's, you know, making my life easy when I'm at the track and, and, um, it, uh, that, that's definitely the, the biggest, the biggest thing, right? I mean, she's not letting me get woke up in the middle of the night. You know, I do, of course, I hear him crying, I get up, but she's making sure things are taken care of. And, and, 
you know, she's, she's just being a great mom. So it, uh, I'm sure if there was, you know, if, if Rachel wasn't a great mom and was having me get up in the middle of the night and stuff, that would, that would suck for the races, but, but it's been amazing. And, um, yeah, I just like this weekend, they're not going to get to come to Brainerd and I really want them to come. You know, it's not one of those things where I'm like relieved that they're not coming because I need a break. It's like, I want them there and it's, it's fun for me. It's the whole team. It's crazy though. I never thought that having a baby around in the pits would be such a good thing for a team, but it seems like everybody on the team just loves Griffin and, and loves playing with him, especially the Italian guys. They're all, you know, it seems like those are his best friends. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's been a, a great thing for me on and off the track. And, uh, yeah. Hmm. Let's talk about on and off the track because, you know, you lately have not been shying away from some controversial stuff. You know, Wavegate was one of them, which, uh, you know, I I was completely entertained by. But rivalries in racing, I know that you know it's important. It's important that you can go back in time and you look at the rise of NASCAR. And one of the biggest things that NASCAR was able to do take the helmet off the drivers, get personalities out there, and Dale Earnhardt took on the role as the villain. And from personal experience, knowing him the little bit that I did, he was actually a super nice guy. I mean, really fun. He took it on the chin. I wonder what it would be like if he had instant access to the haters, though, like you do now, you know, and, and I do now, and some of the racers do. I mean, and you know, we're human beings, right? So you get a thousand that are like loving you and you get one or two or 10 that hate you. And it's like, you focus on the hate, but social media is a real thing, Josh. You're the leader in our paddock without question with the amount of people that follow you with your ability to go out there and activate people. You know what I mean? To call to action, come do this, come do that, that type of stuff. So how do you see it? You know, how do you see it and how do you deal with the ups and downs of social media? Because one day you're a hero and the next day you're a villain and it happens that fast and a split second decision like turn around and a guy waves at you. And then after the race, you wave back and and then the one extra wave and all of a sudden you're a villain. So tell yeah. me about that. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you know, for me, the social media stuff started before social media was big. That was Ben Bostrom being my teammate and telling me that. Uh, somebody that uh, is good with the fans and, and is marketable will last, you know, they have a career that lasts a lot longer than somebody that's just winning races. And I think that's, I, I like soaked that up. I ran with it and, and it's helped me so much in my career. Um, as soon as social media started coming around and being a thing, I, you know, I, I feel like I took it more serious than a lot of people did where they just took it as like, Oh, it's fun with my friends. I'm Snapchatting. I'm whatever, whatever they're doing. I, you know, was was trying to find ways to get more followers, get more followers because I I understood at a very early stage, or it's not like I figured it out, but I listened to some people talk about it and I believed it that it was going to be a huge thing and it was going to be what basically I thought it was going to take over our industry, and I think it has. Especially like you see, I was just talking about this with somebody the other day that the motorcycle community, like just the entire community, right? Street bikes, not just racing. There's what they call moto vloggers, which are guys that are riding on the street, YouTubing, you know, they whatever have a GoPro camera on and they're talking while they're riding. It's a huge community. Millions of people are following these people. And then you get obviously MotoGP riders. 
are in the millions when it comes to followers, only, you know, the top guys. But for road racing in America, I, for the most part, I'd say the average following is probably 10 to 20,000 followers or something, where you have these moto vloggers who are American guys that have half a million followers, a million followers. Um, so it's, it's crazy, like, how big motorcycling is and, and how you know, how many people there are left for us to, to engage with. And that's what I'm trying to do with the street stuff. You know, I figured out in 2018 that, you know, there's some stuff that people don't like that I do in our industry um, with the street riding stuff. But if I can engage with these people who are of the million followers of these guys that do that stuff, maybe I can get 50 to 100,000 of them to then be into Moto America. And who knows if that brings more money to our sport for sponsors or for, you know, better for TV views, or it's better for getting people in the gates, or it makes money for our sponsors because people are buying their product and buying their bikes uh, to go do track days or whatever it may be. Um, so I, I push it really hard. I love social media. I, I don't love what it's about sometimes, though, because, you know, <laughs> I really saw, I'm not a huge UFC fan, but I, I pay attention to it. And I, I don't know if you saw, uh, I think his name's Patty the Batty. Have you seen mm -hmm, that? Yeah. That guy. Yep. So he's on fire right now. And the other day he was talking about, you know, mental health, like men's mental health. And it, I, I don't know if I'd go as far as saying men's mental health. You know, for me, it's like athletes or celebrities. Like they think that just because they're an athlete or they're a celebrity that they can't worry about the people who are writing that stuff or like, why do you respond to that stuff? And I, <laughs> I'm a human just like they are. Like if I were to go in a say something bad about their kid or their dad or their mom or sister or brother, whatever it is, those people will be pissed off. But just because I'm an athlete, I can't say anything back to them or I can't do those things that they do. And I just don't understand why people attack people, A, that they don't even personally know, and B, over a sport that they love and would do anything to be in that person's shoes. They just want to go on and say the worst things they can say about them just to get a reaction out of them so that then they can go and tell their buddy that they don't even see in real life that, oh, look what I did. I screenshotted it and look at the reaction I got out of this guy. And it's like, I don't understand it. Um, you know, I don't sit there and think about this one guy that says something ever, but I think about it as a whole. And I, I don't, I just don't like it. I, it's not that I, you know, I, I don't like it. it Man, it, it's true what the guy said. It, like, it affects your mental health, and and there's plenty of people that are affected by it, and and it sucks. I mean, it's just online bullying, and you know, I'm I'm tough enough to take something in person, like say something to my face, but you get people like, you know, Richard Stamboli is just saying stuff on the internet, and that's a guy that I respected a lot, but he uses social media with his keyboard warrior buddy over there and says a bunch of bad stuff, and it uh. Yeah, it hurts. People don't people don't realize it, but it hurts. And just because you're an athlete doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. And you can't, you don't want to read it, right? Like you and I have talked about this before about people that say stuff about the way you commentate. Oh, why does that guy say so many sponsor names instead of just saying the V two? Like, <laughs> yeah. oh man, he's such a terrible person because he's trying to get our sponsors on TV. Like, people just they suck. And and uh, I wish that they were happier and. Hey, I'll, Sometimes I'll I say, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, you know, you talk about social media versus in person. So we, we hadn't been to the Northeast in a long time. And then they opened up New Jersey Motorsports Park and we end up going. I don't remember what year it was, Josh. I mean, you might remember. I don't remember. But, you know, listen, I'm originally from the Northeast. 
you know, I have a Northeast sensibility. I mean, you know, I've been called a mass hole more than more times. And, but this dude, right. All, all yoked out, looking like Jeff white, all tribal tattooed out, all yoked out. And he rolls up to me and he goes, Hey, you Greg white. And I said, yeah, I'm Greg white. He goes, Hey man, nothing, not for nothing, but you stink. And I go, I beg your pardon. He goes, dude, you are no good at your job. You're horrible at your job. And I don't like you. And I was like, oh, okay. Any constructive criticism? He's like, nah, I just think you're, I just think you suck. I was like, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Bye. But dude, like, honestly, the words, they hit me, they hurt, you know, a little bit. But dude, I just had to applaud the dude because I was like, dude, in my face. I mean, the dude yeah. rolled up to me. Not that I want to start a trend from this podcast and have people just shit all over me to my face necessarily. But there was something there to say, like, you know, tip of the cap, man. You know, he saw the opportunity. He went in there. And you know to this day he's telling his boys. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, that time I walked up to Greg White, told him he was worthless. That dude, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, eh. now I'm talking about him on the podcast. You know what I mean? 14 years, 13 yeah. years later or something like that. So, I mean, I, you know, I've always kept that in my mind. Like, th- like, would you be that guy in real life if you didn't sit there and have some fake name you don't have your your actual name your profile and stuff like that but anyway let's talk about something happier because (laughs) i want to talk about this um let's first talk about next generation super sport how do you think this next generation super sport is going so far in general uh i think it's good i mean i know a lot of people like we're just talking about on the internet like oh that v2 is overpowered whatever but if you really pay attention to it it's it's pretty pretty even um i think you know you saw josh hayes come and race he won a race on the r6 um i i think that there's a lot of people that say oh the the r6 and the whatever other 600 actual 600s are just say the r6 is you know it's not world super sport rules or it's it's not fast enough like hayes came out he won a race his first race um so i i think that bike i've i've rode that bike for many years as a good bike um, I think that the 750 is, you know, we're, I think the V2 is, is great, but we're having to learn all these tracks on a brand new bike. So it will get better next year. Uh, the 750 Which is, is basically <laughs> the 600. It's basically the Gixxer 600 with a faster engine. I know they have some electronic stuff they didn't have before, but you know, they, they pretty much know gearing. They know, they know most of the stuff setup wise that they're going to do. Um, I think that it's. If they had, I'm just going to throw a name out. If they had Bobby Fong on, on the, Tyler Scott's a great rider, but he's young. He, he makes mistakes. Yeah, he's learning. He it's pressured. his first year. You know, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. He makes mistakes old. when he gets pressured. I, I've been 16 racing in this paddock against Jamie Hack and Roger Hayden, Josh <laughs> Hayes. Like, I know what it's like to be racing guys twice my age. And, <clears throat> you know, it's, he's the, the best thing I can say about him is he's being way more consistent than I thought he was going to do. Because <clears throat> when I was 16, I would show like some really good pace or have a good race, and then the next race I'd be seventh, eighth. But there was also way more stacked field back then. I think there was 10 to 15 guys that had all won races. But, yeah, but pl- plus um, you got to add really the money that was spent, right? I mean, you're talking yeah, full crazy. factory efforts for 600, like super yeah. bike riders that rode two classes. Yeah. So I, I think like if you had Bobby Fong on the bike, who's a, I'm not saying he's a I'm not saying it's not a dig at Tyler, but somebody just more experienced on that yeah, bike. Yeah, I mean, he I won the championship a... just a couple of years ago, you know, the Supersport yeah. Championship. So you're literally saying a Supersport champion on a bike 
Could it be a little bit more consistent and upfront? No question. Yeah. About it. But if you look at like, it, Josh, you have you have a Triumph wins Daytona. Then you have, you know, Hayes wins on an R6. You win on a Ducati. They win on a GSX-R750. I don't think we've had a GSX-R600. And then there is balancing that goes on all during the year. And, and the Cowie. At, and the Cowie. Uh, yeah, yeah. The Cowie, right. The Cowie won at uh, Road America. So you go, okay, that, that's, that's a great spread right there, you know? But on the other hand, I think a lot of people focus on top speed. But the problem with top speed is, is that you're only at top speed for a moment. So to look <laughs> yeah. at that, to look at that drafting, number, <laughs> drafting, whatever, but it's all about acceleration. So if you look at, if you look at, if you just looked at those numbers, the GSX-R 750 looks faster, right? It's consistently two, three mile an hour faster on the top end. Moto America traps, then that's also, Moto America's traps aren't necessarily the true top speed. You got to go to, you got to go to the team and say, where's your fastest point of the bike and give me some data, right? But the V2 has its strengths. The R6 definitely has its strengths, right? Like it carves a corner like crazy. It doesn't come off the corner like your bike or, or you know, like the GSX R750. And that's the thing I think that people lose in balancing. Like what does balancing really mean? So from your perspective, though, let's talk specifically about the V2. What is it that you like about the bike? What do you think it does well? Because what's interesting, Josh, is that what it, the strength it seems to have on the racetrack is it is almost the opposite of what the media kind of said about the V2 when it launched, that it wasn't really a great handling motorcycle, that it was kind of all motor and that's what made it fun. But it seems like you've turned it into a good handling motorcycle, or is it just kind of like your experience, your talent, kind of masking the issue? So so what is it about the V2 that, that you think is really good and that you enjoy? To be honest, the, the best thing about it right now to me, there's a lot of things that I like about the bike. But the best thing about it for us that's helping us this year is the bike being so consistent with tire wear. Um, the mm. thing just, it, obviously your one lap speed is going to be a little bit quicker, but <clears throat> as soon as the tire starts to drop off, it stays the same the whole race. And I don't need to worry about it fluctuating, uh, at, at least as of right now. Every track we've gone to, I've been able to, if I really put my head down, I've been able to do my fastest lap of the race or the weekend on the last two, three laps. Luckily, I haven't really, there's, I've been able to get a little bit of gap in a lot of races where I didn't need to, but like at the Ridge, I, I had a, I don't know what was going on with everybody else. They said tires were really bad for the other bikes. So I was able to get a big lead and I didn't need to focus on really banging out hard laps. So I just was trying to keep like a good pace and not get in my own head, like telling myself I need to take it easy, but I backed off a little bit and I said, okay, the, the second to last, or no, the last lap. I said, I want to try to get the lap record, which was Sean Dillon Kelly uh, last year. Uh, so I put my head down and the lap record was like a, I, I know I'm wrong about the, the actual number, but let's just say it was a 22.8 or something, right? 22.8. Mm -hmm. The last lap of the race, I did a 23.1 and I was like buzzing the wall and weaving on the, on the front straightaway. So <laughs> the thing is like so good on the last lap. I know in my head that if I have to battle with those guys on the last three, four laps, like I have a huge advantage because the tires are good. And we've been able to run a softer compound tire and get away with it than the guys have been most of the year as well. On the which, rear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's been impressive. And like and the front said, tire wear is no problem at all, right? It's not it's not no. a case where it's pushing the front around or anything like that. No, no no problem. Mm. I mean, the the biggest problem I've had with it um has just been the fact that I I don't know if and I like I I've told you before and I talk about it in plenty of interviews. I'm no, you know, expert in 
mechanic type stuff, right? But mm-hmm. the thing, like we don't really have, there's hardly any electronic stuff on it. Like there's no traction control, stuff like that. I think I think they do some like engine brake type adjusting or stuff like that maybe, but no TC. So that's been kind of weird for me to get used yeah, to. Yeah, but that's like a Moto2 were... bike, right? That's all they get yeah. is engine braking. So. It's something, but it's not, you know, when people, I think when people think electronics, you're thinking trash control, wheelie control, high side control, that type of stuff. And you don't yeah. have a launch control either, right? No, no launch control. And it's been, and like it, so getting back to that really quick though, it's not that yeah, I yeah. don't like that it doesn't have the TC, but when you're racing on the edge like that, I'm so used to for a long time having that to like save me if I mess up, right? I've high sided twice this year, um, which you know, that's more crashes than I've had in a year in a long time. Usually I'm only a one, one crash a year, maybe two crash a year. Um, but it, uh, yeah, the bike, the tire wear is really great. And the thing, like you said, a lot of people didn't think it was going to be great at handling, but it's been, it's been awesome for me. I love riding the bike and torque off the corners is good. I love the sound of it. It's just been fun. And the cool thing is, and this is one thing that I really do enjoy about production-based racing, is that you can call up Warhorse and you basically can say, I want the same bike Josh Aaron rides, right? Like if I do track days or I race and I can get that bike built pretty darn close to that spec, I would think. I mean, I, I understand that there's there's also a lot of Ducati Corsa, right, in that bike. There's a lot of Ducati Corsa hours over in Europe on Pirelli's though, but you know what I mean? They're developing, they're working at their racing world super sport and all that kind of stuff. And I know that that stuff bleeds directly to you. And I'm sure you're providing input for them as the next generation of V2 comes out so they can help develop the bike for a more broader spectrum of tires. I know that that's part of the reason why Petrucci's here, you know, to work on that bike and not have it just specifically specific to Pirelli's to, to say, hey, if I'm a track day person or street rider and I want to put Bridgestones on this or Dunlops on this or whatever, this bike works good all around as opposed to. So with that said, um, is there anything I said wrong, I guess, first of all, but second of all, it's like, you know, when, when, when you look at this, when you look at it, how cool is it for you in your career <laughs> to be in Supersport and a guy like Paolo Chibati from Corsa shows up and, and the other people from, you know, the Red Pants show up and, and they're all in your corner, they're all in your pits, they're all pulling for you, they're all taking your side, you know, when things go sideways and, you know, and other teams want to puff out their chest and the whole situation. I mean, how cool is it for you to be in that situation? Yeah, it's, I would say pretty much everything that you said is, is true. Um, the only like you said though about buying bike from hsbk like you can our bike is it's pretty crazy like i've i've heard them talk about that before and i've tried you know i've sent people to buy bikes from them and stuff and it's it's not like some crazy build like the bike is all the parts are available there's nothing no motor work it's a completely stock motor and then they detune the thing to whatever they do to balance it out for the class but everything there, like I could go build that bike in my garage. Obviously, you want the actual yeah. guys building. Yeah, but bikes. if you got a box of parts, <laughs> if you literally got a box of parts and you had some wrenches, you're yeah. you're good to go. Yeah, I see what you're but, saying. But um, but yeah, like I didn't expect to have Paolo Chabotti at. I mean, he's been at like five rounds and testing at Daytona. Like he and he's such an awesome guy. Like I, I asked him. I say, hey, what are the chances of getting a Peko Bagnaya knee puck from the race and he brought me his knee puck sign from Qatar and you know he's it, like hey I really want to try and get an acro exhaust and Bobby being Bobby it's like oh I'll try and it, whatever so it like I love Bobby but he's <laughs> he's crazy busy Paolo 
writes me after they get the Magello win, literally the night of their Magello win, and he's like, hey, I have these the two head guys from Akrapovich, and, you know, they want you to email them, and he sends me their email. Like, the guy's at Magello celebrating a MotoGP victory, and he's, like, taking time out of his day to talk to them and then write me at midnight or whatever it is and let me know. Um, I, I don't have, like, a contract with Ducati. My contract is through uh, Warhorse and HSBK. Um, but it's, it's awesome. Like Ducati Corsa treats me really well. Um, I've done some Ducati USA events, but I'm trying to get in a little bit more with them. Uh, J root is one of the guys that I speak with and he's been super supportive and super awesome of me. Um, but yeah, the whole experience has been pretty, pretty crazy. I, I never would have thought, you know, I'm 32 years old. The series isn't as big as it was when I was a kid and it was coming up where maybe like in your older days you end up riding for whatever it may be, right? A Corona Honda or somebody like that, right? There was always somewhere for the factory riders to go down to for, for a while. And, uh, you know, at my age, I know that I can win races for the next 10 years if I wanted to, like if I really dedicated myself to it. I mean, Hayes is what, 46? Seven. 47. And he came out and, Gagne's in a, he's riding like crazy right now, but I would consider <laughs> Yeah, myself, we're getting ready to talk about that, so. I would consider myself as one of the best riders in the country, and if I'm on the same bike as people, like, I think that you take the top guys from our level and put them on the same bikes, they're going to be competitive with the best guys in the world. And Hayes is 47 years old, and he comes out and, and you know, gives it the beans. So um, to, to have this opportunity this late in my career and to be able to kind of rejuvenate myself in a way i feel like 2015 again where i came back from moto 2 i was a little down in the dumps super sport class is picking me back up and who knows where that's going to lead me whether that's doing something in world super sport with ducati or it's racing a super bike here again i don't know but i i feel rejuvenated and and happy to be racing a motorcycle and having more fun than i've ever had so i don't think i've let's see you won stock thousand super bike you left went to moto 2 so I can't remember you ever running a number one plate. If you win this yeah. championship, would it break your heart to stay in Supersport, run a number one plate, and have another run at it? And look, man, I, you know, people have said stuff, you know, about Cody Wyman. Uh, he's old in the class, you know, Junior Cup, where all the Junior Cup riders have been like, everyone I've talked to has been like, we like having him here. Guy's fast. He's teaching us something. I think that fans have said oh josh Heron, why are you in super sport racing against kids it's like dude what are you guys talking about they're they gotta go chase them down you know what yeah. i mean like the if you look at the balancing of the bike they're pretty they're pretty well balanced so that means that it's the rider right now so go get him so yeah. you're gonna drag the level of, of of you know especially if you start this if this rivalry between you you and tyler scott keeps going you know, and, and Ty Scott really gets, you know, froth in his mouth and starts chasing you down. And next thing you know, we got some big races. That's only does everybody, you know, better. So the question is, with the way Supersport has been, knowing that there's a role for you to, to try to teach some of these younger riders to be fast, you've been on Superbike, you've won, the, you've won the title. Would it break your heart if you end up back in Supersport next year with a number one plate? Uh, that's your choice to do so. No, absolutely not. I mean, I... You know, my goal is to win superbike races again or go and race another series, maybe. I don't know. But, you know, like I said, this is the most fun I've I've had racing 
since I can remember. I mean, 2018 was a great year, but this has been really fun. And I enjoy racing this class. I like these motorcycles, right? I, I mm. love racing super sport. Um, so no, without a doubt, like if Bobby said tomorrow, like, Hey, I need you in super sport again, I'd be pumped to do it. I, you know, I got to keep making money. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. 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 Would you entertain the it. idea of going to world super sport now that you have Griffin yeah. and knowing all the travel and stuff? Okay. Yeah, yeah. of course. I, or not uh, world super sport, world super bike in general, you know what yeah. I mean? whether it be world super sport itself or maybe even world super bike. Yeah, I, I would for sure. I, you know, when COVID was going on, like I was bummed because I, I saw myself with like a, you know, I had a good chunk of change after like a couple of years of racing. Like I, I wanted to be like, Hey, we had a good year this year. We made some money. Like it'd be really cool. Like at that point in my life, I was thinking it would have been really cool if all this wasn't going on and I could just, you know, I rent, you know, I want to own a house, but I was renting. I'm renting right now. And it's nice. Like our lease is up in September. We could just go and live in Italy for four or five months. And now that we have Griffin, like it'd be cool just to, we, we know all these Italians now, like it'd be cool just to go and hang out in Italy for a few months. And so if that were to happen again, you know, or if, if I got that opportunity, it's definitely not something that I would shy away from. I think, um, you know, I'm at the age now where I, I have to think about money. I mean, I can't just be riding for free or anything like that, but we kind of circle back to social media now to where am I making like tons of money on social media? No, but I make good side money. Instagram started, you know, paying for reels now. So I get paid off reels and it brings the potential to get these outside industry sponsors in like other people don't have the ability to do only fans fresh and lean. Like these guys are paying good money and it's because of the social media plus the, fact that they can have an influencer on social media that also gets on tv with their product that's given them whatever like say this year i've had you know podium interviews and pre-grid interviews say i've had five minutes of airtime like how much would a five five minutes of commercials cost a company so it's uh it's huge even companies like essential water like that's a huge company and they're coming into our industry because of social media not because of racing racing is a bonus for them and uh, so if I got that opportunity to go, I think I have the ability now ability now to raise some good money, you know, f- through my sponsors to make it to where I didn't have to focus so much on a salary from a team, which is good. Now, you always kind of like uh, to do something special every now and then with, you know, whatever your gear. I mean, we saw it the last round, the bike, you know, had that special livery on it with the chrome and everything else. Anything special for Brainerd that's going to happen or anything, any rest of the... Anything new helmets or anything for the rest of the season? Nothing crazy special. I got <laughs> this year has been, uh, you know, we had the kind of bad luck crash at Laguna where somebody hit a false neutral or missed a shift in front of me and I, I high sided oh, and that was not I, right. or I ran into the back of him. I actually noticed, I didn't even think about it, but I looked at the pictures again and I, I hit that guy so hard that the back of his bike lifted off the ground like probably eight or nine inches um, and fell and, and whacked my head. So I've, I've, wrecked two two of my rides this year hitting my head and it's something you never want to have happen and i wrecked my brand new suit that we got just special for that weekend but mm. um yeah so i i found myself out of helmets so then we had to i ended up actually getting a kenny roberts helmet signed that weekend that i was just going to keep for my collection and i was like shit like i don't have a helmet to wear so i took that thing out of the box and ended up racing with it with his signature on it and got a win but um yeah troy Did you Lee, talk to him after that 
Yeah, I did. He was he was at the podium and he's like asking me for his commission check. <laughs> Dude, I would have given the helmet back to him. I would have signed it. That would have been the great Kenny's <laughs> reaction. That would have been the greatest thing. Say, you know what, Kenny? Here, let me sign this. Put the win date on it, and here it's back to you. Thanks. <laughs> now go win a race, Kenny. Get off the get off the sofa, you old man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, getting so having those helmets wrecked. And I, I have such a good story for the rest of my life with that Roberts helmet. I don't have That's any true. helmets on display in my house. I, I hardly like these trophies are. You're not seeing video now. You're seeing audio only. But Greg can see a couple of trophies behind me. Rachel got me two shelves to put stuff up, and I have. You know, a couple. I have the Superbike Championship trophy, but I don't like display. Like I don't like trophies. I don't like feeling like I'm bragging. Like I have my garage, which is like my area where I have all my cool toys, but I don't. I don't have like photos of myself all in there. But I got my Nikki Hayden cards up here, and then a couple trophies. But the helmet is on display in the guest room because it's just a cool story. Like, what are the chances I get it signed that day, and then I have to race in it? Um, but I had Troy Lee paint up a new helmet. So I got a new three-eyed smiley awry painted up that, that we'll be running. And it actually is kind of a cool story. Troy Lee, not Troy Lee, but the painter that I use there, he goes, you're from California. I thought I'd do something kind of cool. And I don't know exactly, you'd have to do some research on this, but there's a, the Hoya Beach down in San Diego. There is some type of gold flake that washes onto the shore after a storm that comes from, this is what the painter told me, Steve. He told me it comes from the mountains in Mexico. It, like the rain washes it down the mountain, goes into the, I don't know if it's rivers, uh, ends up in the ocean somehow, right? Ends up on the shore yeah. in La Jolla. He takes these gold flakes. This is the last couple of years he's been teaching himself how to do this because he said somebody told him, man, you should put that into a helmet. So he found a way to go and collect those gold flakes he separates them somehow and then cleans it, whatever he does, and mixes it into the paint. So my helmet actually has like pieces of the beach from San Diego, like these gold flakes into the helmet Dude, paint, that's which cool. is actually pretty sick. Like he sat and told me the story. I'm like, man, you know how much time that took for this guy to drive down there, get these gold flakes, clean them, prep it, put it in the paint. And he's like so pumped to just be like, and this is Troy Lee Designs Painter, like, this guy's swamped with paint jobs, right? But he's taking the time to, to do that. So um, I'm pumped to wear that one for him this weekend. That's awesome. Well, definitely yeah. put that on social media. Yeah. All right, Josh, let's go ahead and transition to Moto America because this weekend, obviously, you're taking off, I think, tomorrow, right? And you're going to be heading yep. to Minneapolis, Minnesota, where you missed last year. Didn't, weren't, didn't, weren't you sick last year? <laughs> yeah, I got... Was I, it last I, year? Yeah, I woke up with COVID on like the Monday or... Yeah, I think it was Monday... I called Richard and I was like, man, I'm, I don't know what I have. I don't know if it's COVID. Yeah. I took a test, but I don't got the results yet, but I was, it was bad. And, uh, yeah, I, I ended up not being able to race that round, which, but you tested there. So you know what it, you know, last year, you know what the thing's all about. So let's talk, let's go with your class first. So right now, Josh, you are, like I said, four wins in a row. You have 81 point lead over Tyler Scott. Who's, who's only five behind or uh, ahead of Rocco Landers. Kevin Olmedo, who's really having a good run the last four races as well, is in fourth. Lockoff, uh, don't know if he's going to return or not. So let's talk about, uh, you know, what do you think? What do you see in in Super Sport? Gee, do you think it's going to be a Josh Aaron runaway? I mean, no. <laughs> it, I know it's difficult for you to really comment on this, but, um, you know, what, what, what do you think from just your testing experience that you had at Brainerd? What bike do you think is going to go well? Who do you think is going to go well? 
Um, yeah, we were lucky enough that we, you know, we went up to, to Brainerd and rode the V2 there, so we got some time on it. Oh, you did? Um, oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, Tyler, it was myself, I think me and Tyler and Rocco, I think, were there. I don't, I don't remember Rocco's times, but Tyler was pretty competitive with my times. Um, but I, he was also on his personal 750, which I think, if I had to guess, had the normal power in it. I don't think they probably had the it 40, should. 000. It should. There's no reason to, yeah. There's, There's no, no way they had that. I heard it's $40,000 or something crazy to... Wait, is that true? No, so it's forty k to, to, to get the whole bike. So literally, if you went to Team Hammer and you said, give me a GSX-R 750 ready to race. Oh, okay, so, okay, okay. Right, throttle by wire, blah, blah. So the whole like throttle by wire, to, to convert the bike into a Moto America legal bike is somewhere around, I think, 6K. Okay, so they might have possibly been on it. You know, I mean, he's he's fast. We went to Pittsburgh and tested. He's fast right out of the gate. Like he's he's been good at like. I mean, he rode the tracks on the three ninety last year, so he's learning them on a six seven fifty now. So he's he's been quick at getting up to speed. I mean, every Friday he's been a little behind on Friday, but by the time we qualify Saturday, he's right there. Um, so I don't know if he was on a, the Moto America spec bike or not, but his times were about the same as mine. So I know he's. For sure going to be good uh the question it just comes down to you know tire wear and i think that i'll get a little bit more comfortable there i mean we'll, we'll end up going faster than we did in the test but um if i had to guess i'd i'd say it's it's probably going to be close and then it just depends on tire wear i mean all the lap times are going to be similar like they have been all year it'll just be who's there in the middle towards the end of the race and it's not just tire wear it seems like fitness too comes into play a lot in this class mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm used to racing a super bike so it it's it feels it feels my like eyes a toy -ish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i totally get it speaking of medallia superbike gagne leads that championship by a slim three points over petrucci cam peterson is 37 back from petrucci in third skultz has slipped to fourth hector barber i think is having a decent year he's in fifth escalante sixth uh pj jacobson seventh so what do you <laughs> knowing what you know about jake gagne i mean you guys were teammates i mean you know He's, he's also, just like you, he's won uh, four in a row. And then you have Petrucci and Cam Peterson have gone back and forth, second, second, you know, like like second apiece. And so they literally, Petrucci goes third, Cam goes second. The next race, Petrucci goes second, Cam goes third, and then they did it again. So um, what do you see for a Superbike? You see anything changing? Do you see the Ducati, you know, stepping up a little bit? Gagne, of course, hit the deck last year. You know, he came through that... I guess it's. I'd I guess technically it's tires, what. Though I feel like. Is that what it was? Just a cold tire incident. Uh, that's how I feel. I mean, I know that yeah. some people were saying no, but. No, we got to do something, bro. I mean, we got. Yeah. I mean, we got to make a big deal of something, you know. So. It, uh, I, I think mean, Kanye doesn't make those mistakes often, but he, but he can. It's it's gonna be tough. I mean, all these. Petrucci, I think that bike, the V4, I rode that thing at the pit. You know, of anybody on the grid. I mean, I've rode, Kanye's bike. Yep. I've rode Me basically what Skoltz is on. Not I've me. rode what Petrucci's on at the pit test. I've Sat rode what Escalante's once. on. True. And yeah. I've rode a BMW. I haven't raced, you know, the spec. I, mine was a lot older than theirs, but, you know, I've rode those bikes. Yeah. Petrucci's bike is really good. I mean, I, I rode that thing only for three laps or something at pit race, but I was very impressed with that bike. Um, but he's at a huge disadvantage because he doesn't, it's not even just that he doesn't know the tracks. He doesn't have years of racing on them, which Brainerd's newer to a lot of the guys, but they still have two races last year. They got a test last year. They got a test this year. 
So he's at a huge disadvantage. I think he's doing great, you know, considering all the tracks that he's had to learn. I'm hoping that he can run up there with Gagne. I think everybody is. And obviously he's a good enough rider to go out and, and beat Gagne if he if he really puts his head down, which he's going to. But when he gets time on these tracks, that's going to help the most, I think. I mean, even Baz, like last year, I was hoping that he was going to be back this year just to see how much better he would get with having the experience and not having to figure out gearing and just all the stuff that comes with it. What tires should I run here? Like all this stuff, right? Um, so Skoltz, I was bummed, you know, Superbike weekend at Laguna. Like I was bummed that Skoltz got pole and then wasn't whatever happened in the race. I don't know what happened, but it, he had some bad luck. And uh, I, I'd love to see all those guys just scrapping it out because it seems like watching Peterson and, and uh, Petrucci bang each other into uh, the corkscrew was that was entertaining to watch i think that like you said like having these rivalries it's that's the stuff that we need for our sport i don't think we need like planned rivalries but having close racing and contact and people you know just talking about it it's it's really great so i think Gani is going to be super hard to beat um i'm hoping that petrucci can get up there and, and give it to him but i i think it's gonna be a really good battle for second no matter what uh, moving on to Stock Thousand. Stock Thousand has Corey Alexander, who's also on a four-win win streak after winning the first one. So for Corey this year, every race he's entered, Josh, he's won it. So meaning like he had two two, like, I, he got hurt right at VIR, so yeah. he didn't even he didn't even get to race those. But he's got a 17-point lead over Hayden Gillum, who led the championship early. Travis Wyman is five points back, so he's 22 from the leader. Andy Debrino, who I think he's actually going to make this race, and I he might even be switching to a Honda. I know that his Kawasaki had to retire, and then Jeff May is on a Honda for sure in fifth place. I'm not sure if you get a chance to watch Stock Thousand or not. It's been very interesting to watch because when Corey Alexander's on, dude, he's just like, like crazy. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm a little biased here because Andy's our Call of Duty buddy. You know that. <laughs> yeah. But he is going to be, I know he's excited because he'll be on a Honda. He's, he's getting a bunch of support. Not a bunch of support. I'm sure he could use more, but he's getting some support from, from some people that will help him out this weekend. It's a new track for him, though, so that's going to be hard just because Brainerd's, it's a little scary. It's kind of intimidating, especially turn one and two are the fastest corners we go to all year, and, and they're really bumpy. Um, but it's it's been cool. Like I remember I, I watched the video of Corey going into the corkscrew at Laguna, and I was like convinced that it was the first time I watched it. I watched it over and over like three or four times. I was convinced it was in fast forward. Like I was tripping oh, like out. Like they they went times two or something. Yeah, I'm like, there's yeah. no way. Like he was cooking into that corner. Um, but yeah, it's it's been good racing. Um, I I was expecting. I, like Hayden Gilm's been doing good, but I was expecting him to be battling a little bit more with Corey towards the front. So hopefully he can be up there because I know how good of a racer he is, but he's taking some time off from racing. So I'm thinking as the season keeps going, he's going to get better and better. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping that Andy has a good weekend. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's see. SportbikeTrackGear.com Junior Cup. The lead is now with Cody Wyman after our last weekend. 18 points over Gus Rodeo. Joel Demandry Jr. in at 20 points behind. Yakov in at 44 points. And Max Van uh, is at 52. Do you get a chance to watch any of that stuff? I know I know you've kept an eye on Kayla a little bit. I mean, who hasn't? Because, uh, you know, she's talented on a bike. But this, this, this class isn't quite the speed of Ty Scott. But they're very talented, especially racing around each other. Yeah, I'm, like you said, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Kayla Yakov fan. Uh, 
she started coming to the Heron Compound, which is which is my track out in Georgia, when she was probably eight years old or something. And I've wow. I've trained her a little bit. I I used mm-hmm. to, you know, I would ride with her all the time, and we would ride like really hard together. Like from a very young age, she was super aggressive. I would rub elbows with her, you know, bang into the side of her bike. Like she she was like the toughest rider out of any kid that I've ever worked with at that age. Her and Jesse Shedden were, you know very similar and they all they both started on dirt bikes which i'm sure is one of the bigger reasons why they're you know comfortable with that kind of riding um but i'm a i'm just a big fan of that class i think gus rodeo's race at the heron compound i'm just going to actually look at the full standings let's see if we can see the top 10 gus rodeo lamandry kaylee yakov uh i i don't know if max van's been down to our place uh, eight inch from California, so he hasn't. But there's yeah. there's a lot of these kids. Actually, the top five, except for Cody Wyman, they've pretty much all been down to our place. So it's to me, it's exciting to watch because kids that I rode with when they were really little are now in that class. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I have a lot of fun watching. It's I'm bummed that that uh, Kayla had the you know bad luck at Laguna. Like say she was able to get two wins there because it looked like she was fighting to be able to get a win. She'd have 50 points from that round, and right now she'd be sitting six points ahead of these guys. So. Um, bum for her that she got taken out of those two rounds, but it's been super exciting to watch all these kids rip it up this year. Max Van's been doing good. Lamandry's been doing super good. Gus has been doing good. Obviously, Cody's doing really well. Uh, also, I don't I don't know him super well, but but uh, you know he seems to be ripping. So I think it's gonna be a great yeah. race. I, I'm I didn't watch the Junior Cup race from last year, Brainer, but I'm pumped to watch it this year. Just seeing how they go through turn one and two on those smaller bikes. Yeah, they're definitely in a pack. If it's that last section, I think that can separate people. If you don't have the, yeah. you know, that whole, I, I, and I don't know. I heard that it might be changed a little bit. The whole chicane thing before you come back in towards us. I'm when we really went to sure, the but. test, I was told by Chuck Askell, like, "Hey, I asked them to do this here, check if they did, and they didn't." And when I asked about it, they like acted like they had no idea about it. So I don't, hmm. I, I don't know whose information was wrong, but hopefully, yeah. I, I like the track. Turn one and two. If anybody tells you that it doesn't scare them, they're lying through their teeth. If they're on a super bike or a 600 and they tell you it's not scary, because if you're offline by a hair, I mean, all I can think of is like turn eight and nine at Willow. Like you are just tapped out. And I'm oh, like, is that the way you're supposed to ride that thing? <laughs> That's where I was three. I was three. Oh yeah. You three, rode the super three percent. I rode the super bike there last year. Three percent of the lap. I was at a hundred percent throttle and it was, it was there. <laughs> That was like it literally well, one two three. It was according over. to Richard. That's more than Elias was when he rode that bike. So no, you should have right? been doing good, right? No, yeah. You he had said like, that. He you, said Tony. When you were was on like, that bike, I, as I remember it, you and Gagne were pretty close. It was like forty three percent of the lap. You guys were at a hundred percent grip, and I was like, what? Yeah, but it's like, crazy. Like whenever yeah. when Tony rode that bike, legit. I think I remember hearing Richard tell me that he was like. I don't remember what it was, but it was like very little of the lap. He actually was 100% throttle because he was like when he taught me at Yosh, like he didn't just stab it and try to get to 100%. He was trying to feed the throttle smoothly and not engage the TC. So if he could be right underneath 100% throttle, it was actually working right. better. So. Yeah. And the TC works different now on, on the Yamaha. You should just you tell actually- people that story. You, yeah, you were just right into it. But anyway, listen, you know, Pridmore <laughs> might listen to this and be like, I can't believe you started telling people you run the thing. But anyway, um, do you get to watch any Twins Cup? Because Twins Cup has been pretty interesting as well. In that, you have Jody Berry. He went on a four-race win streak um, and five podiums in a row right at the beginning of the season. So 
or, or really the middle part of the season. And then since then, the last two races, he's only scored 13. But Anthony Maziato has gone like second place win-win to close the gap to 14 points. Hayden Schultz is 39 points back. So at this point of the season, it kind of looks like it's Blake Davis is 56. So it kind of looks like it's the Barry Maziato, maybe Hayden Schultz show with the number one plate, Caleb DeCarroll, throwing his hat in the ring occasionally to kind of mess things up. I don't know if you get to watch Twins Cup. I watch it. It's it's definitely entertaining when I can, Josh. Sometimes it just falls in a window where we're in the middle of doing you know production or something or between races or something. So do you watch? I, I love the Twins Cup personally. Like I'm not trying to jinx myself as a rider because it's like obviously I want to be in Superbike and I think when you're in Twins Cup you want to race Super Sport or Superbike or Stock Thousand. But I would love to try a Twins Cup race someday oh, just boy. because I like those <laughs> like those bikes just look fun to me. They so do, I yeah. actually do watch a lot of the Twins Cup. Um I'm a Maziato fan. I'm also a Blake Davis fan because just like Kayla Yakov, Blake Davis started. I mean, he, the first time he ever rode a street bike, I'm pretty sure was at VIR because they're right next to that car track. But Blake's probably done more laps at the Heron Compound than I have. And he actually, hmm. I don't know if you ever noticed, but his front tooth is gone. He lost it at my house. Yeah. Oh, did he really? <laughs> he, <laughs> hey, he crashed on the front straightaway. And whenever he got up, he was probably, how old is he now? 15? 16? Six, 16, I think, maybe. So yeah. he was probably 12 or 11, and he got up, and he's just missing his front tooth. And we're just like, whoa, where's, like, <laughs> find his tooth? Because people were like, oh, they could put it back in. They could save it, like the nerve, like, put it back in, like, find it. We're yeah. looking for it. We can't find it. That kid get, goes home. I'm pretty sure he wanted to ride that day, too, but he didn't. Went home in Virginia, so, like, eight hours away. Then the next day, or maybe the day after, went to the dentist or doctor they x-rayed him and his tooth was up into his jaw. No. No. Yeah. Oh <laughs> man. Yeah. Ouch. His tooth was literally like pushed it up backwards. Up in from. his face. Yikes. Yeah, so then they removed it and now that's why he has a fake front tooth. Oh okay. um, so I'm a big Blake Davis fan. Um you know, I, I like Maziato, I like his style. Uh I think it's it's cool for that class. Having Rispoli there. Did Rispoli didn't race Laguna, right? Yeah, I don't think so. He just raced okay. baggers only. So it, I mean, it's been, it's been cool. I'm, I, I like watching that class. But like I said, I want, I want to race it one day. Um, and just it's like crazy you want to race, too. just like you want to race King of the Baggers. You want to get on one <laughs> I of I did that already. Yeah, yeah, you did. That's right. You did Laguna, yeah. right? But I'm looking at the, the results right now for the season, the standing 72 entries in that class this year. Yeah. That's yeah. insane. It is because if you think about it, dude, they're, they're just, they're small displacement super bikes. You can actually... Yeah do more to the Twins Cup bikes than you can a super bike. And a lot of, it, it, they just don't, you don't really need electronics on them. And I think that's the big cost difference. It's not, you know, there's a, I think there's a bit of a misnomer saying that it's the electronics cost. I mean, yeah, there's a 10,000, 20, 15, whatever it is, but it's the people, man, as you know, it's the red pants that come in and whack on computers that, that are your 70, 80, 90, $100,000 people. That's a bit, that's a big chunk of your budget. So Electronics not really that critical, I think, in in Twins Cup, but the racing sure is entertainment, and the bikes are really cool. We don't yeah. we don't see many Suzukis anymore, though. That's for sure. It's just pretty much Yamaha. I did ride the R7 the same time at Brainerd last year. It was stock, but it had all the the bits and components on it, and stuff. And dude, it was so much fun. I'm supposed to endurance race at Road Atlanta, uh, so like the first weekend of September, an R7 Chuck G- Chuck Giacchetto's R7, but. <laughs> You should try to do it at a pit race. I think 
I think I might be doing the endurance race at pit race. Oh, really? Yeah. Unfortunately, dude, I have an injury right now. I just can't. It's I have a I have a problem with my thumb, and I can't like grip a handlebar. Oh, you got child. archery thumb. Yeah, Call of Duty thumb. You pick me. <laughs> uh, Tyler O'Hara leads King of the Baggers, Josh, by one single point. Kyle Wyman and Travis Wyman are tied at 86 points with Ty at 87. McWilliams still in the mix, dude. He's got 78. Rispoli's there after his podium. He's had two podiums in the last three races in with 59. Um, what do you think about, I mean... Congratulations, Harley Davidson. Obviously, man, at Laguna they go one, two, three, which is great. But there's just tons of money being thrown at those bikes. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I like Travis Wyman, so it's cool seeing him do good. Uh, O'Hara is really cool. I like, I like watching him ride. It's sick seeing McWilliams, you know, race here. It doesn't matter what what he's on. <laughs> it is it's really just, cool. Yeah, it's cool. I'm, I'm a huge sports card collector, and I have some panini cards from mcwilliams when he's in gp so i've had him sign a couple of them and the oh, dude's cool. just super nice and and just really fun to watch like he brings i think a lot of those guys were like kind of nervous about like riding those bikes aggressive but that dude like just from what i've seen like he's not scared <laughs> to ride the bike and he's not scared to pass like aggressive on it either which is that's what people want to see i mean the riders in the back of their heads are like, I don't want to get ran over by a 600-pound bike or 500 pounds, Yeesh. whatever it is. But No, it's six, um, six, six, he, That dude wants to win. <laughs> I think it's him. He How old is he? Win. I think I looked it up. He's Is he in his – is he 60? Is like he older 57? than me? Yeah, he's older than I am. Uh, let's see. I mean, dude, he's still super fit. He's got great attitude. 58 years old. He's 58. <laughs> Whoa, born in 1964. I mean, yeah. Kyle Wyman's a superbike podium guy, and Jeremy McWilliams, has, he's won a race, right? What are you saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. So what are you saying? We should put McWilliams Dude, on put, a superbike? put him on a real bike. <laughs> no. Yeah, let's put him on a superbike and see what's up. Dude, I, you be, know, I don't think Jeremy would shy cool away from him. it, do you? Yeah. Dude, it'd be kind of cool to see him on a V2. Yeah, like, what you do fun. is get, get him on a V two, take the take the Kenny Roberts helmet, sign you, then you sign it, and then you let him race the thing. No, he's <laughs> there's no way he's sponsored by RI, right? No chance. Is Griffin in the house? <laughs> yeah, Griffin's in the house. <laughs> oh, there's no video though. <laughs> no, there's no video. Yeah. Well, that's pretty much going to do it, I think, for this podcast. I mean, make sure everybody, you know, we hope to see you at Brainerd for sure. If not, um, check out Moto America's social media where they'll be posting i'm sure if it's not already up there uh how to tune in and watch this week and of course jason and i will be in the booth and uh josh will be on the racetrack and make sure you come on out and get an autograph and do not do not talk shitty to josh or me to my face it's just because we said <laughs> it's better than on social media <laughs> be nice bring yeah, some be, nutella bring some cores nice. light for josh do, do be, yeah. be nice because Josh's going to be all by himself this weekend. No, no wife to, to get him up to the racetrack on time. That's going to be, we'll see if he makes it right. Yeah. And if you guys, uh, if you want to see me and me and G dub McSlowy over here, do some, uh, call of duty streaming in the off season, make sure you let us know, do some live streams. Yeah, well definitely. Josh has a Twitch account. I have a Twitch account. I'm like uh, 14 followers away from being able to monetize. But uh, now nah, we're, we're gonna sad. do YouTube. We're doing YouTube live. Oh, we're we gonna switch to YouTube live. this year. Yeah, why not? Yeah. YouTube's actually we got better. A bigger yeah, platform. Yeah. We got two hundred and fifty thousand 
Griffin, we got 250,000 follower head start if we do Facebook live streaming. Perfect. Help us out. All right, that's <laughs> plus you got you, you're famous. You you must know Tim the Tap Man. Maybe we could play with Tim the Tap Man one day. <laughs> Get all that stuff. You know, got Stone, Mountain, to, Stone Mountain huh? was supposed to play with me at one point. I don't know what happened to that. Oh, really? Oh. We <laughs> have to start pulling some favors in. Well, listen, normally Pridmore says the goodbyes and the way out the door, so I'm going to give it to you this time, Josh. All right. Um, I don't have any good words of wisdom. You do it. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening to the <laughs> podcast. We certainly appreciate it. Thanks again to Josh Heron for filling in for Pridmore a little bit. Thanks for your insight on the classes, and we look forward to having Jason back next week. Bye, everybody. Now it's Call of Duty time.